Welcome. The parish is a church community in Alpharetta, Georgia, practicing the way of Jesus for the sake of others. Talks like these are just one part of how we gather to be deeply reshaped by Jesus. So we invite you to join us any Sunday morning for a full church gathering. You can find more information or contact us by visiting our website at parishanglican.org. We'll read first from John chapter 5 and then from Matthew chapter 11, and Katie's going to lead us in our scripture readings. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you've been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jewish authorities that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, they started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is still working, and I also am working. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. The father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say, this is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you, work, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The Gospel of the Lord. All right. Well, there's many things as we begin that I uh, appreciate about Alan Pearson. Uh, <laughs> Alan didn't know I was going to throw him under the bus. Alan has captained our host team through uh, this entire new season here at the Kalen Center, and June has uh, been right by his side, keeping Alan sane and uh, helping our host team come together and form. But of all the things I appreciate about Alan Pearson, I have to say, you nailed the coffee this morning. Like, the coffee is fantastic, and it felt like we could not move on in this service until I acknowledged that publicly. Um, thank you. <laughs> all right. So, hey, this fall we have been sitting with those invitations from Jesus from Matthew chapter 11. Uh, those, that fourfold invitation, Jesus says... Come to me. Come to me. Walk with me. Work with me. And watch how I do it. And we have been seeing that as an invitation to building a holistic life with God. A big enough table, a sturdy table for all seasons of life to hold up the great feast that is our communion with Jesus. So we hear the first invitation, come to me, as this beckoning to cultivate a prayer-filled life that we might be with Jesus. Second, walk with me, that we would follow along in the way of Jesus, walking with Jesus and being deeply formed by his life, deeply reshaped by his life as we do so, that we might not just be with Jesus, but then become like Jesus. 
We hear the third invitation, work with me, partner, co-labor, co-create with me for the sake of a kingdom-directed life. Not only be with me, not only become like me, but then do the things I did. And finally, fourth, watch how I do it. A spirit-dependent life that we might not only do what Jesus did, but do them in the way and with the spirit that Jesus did it. And so we've been spending the fall going through those invitations. And uh, last week we began our section on work with me. How might we work with Jesus? If you weren't here, John Ott spoke last week and guided us into a sense around our vocation How do we discern the call of God on our lives? And then how do we distinguish what is ours to carry and what is not ours to carry? That just because we can see it, just because we can touch it, does not mean that it is ours or that it is what God has for us. And it was just a great, great uh, message from John last week. You can check that out on the podcast. But as John dealt with the meta-narrative around discernment, discerning our vocation, Uh, Today we're going to dive more into the daily life, into the mundane nature of what does it look like to discern direction in our daily life. And so as we begin, I want to just invite you to close your eyes for a moment. And using the gift of your imagination, I'm just going to invite you to consider a place where you need guidance this morning. And depending on the raw materials of your life, you may find that it doesn't take long to have something leaping off the pages of your life that, like, I need guidance, direction, wisdom, discernment about this. For some of us, we may need to dig a few layers down, but get in touch with something that you're hoping to discern along with God about. And I'll invite you to hold that in your mind and we'll return to it at the end of our time uh, this morning. And then as we hold that in our minds in honor of, uh, you know, the Feast of St. Patrick and the blessing of the animals, I want to introduce you to my dog, Duke. This is Duke. Uh, Duke is a nine or ten-year-old golden retriever chow mix that we adopted a few years ago. And uh, he is a character And uh, he has this whole persona that we have developed around him. Uh, We're not exactly sure if it's true, but the more that we spend time with Duke, the more our uh, stories around him grow. And so we don't know for sure if he's a war vet. He won't talk about it, but we know he didn't get that limp from nothing. Uh, He's obviously a fiscal conservative because if you give him a bone, he'll go bury it in the backyard and save it for a rainy day. Um, On Thursdays, he likes to go to Cracker Barrel with his dog friends and just sit in there and play the little games and get the senior citizen discount with all the other senior dogs. If you've ever been on a Zoom call with us, we cannot Zoom in the same room as Duke because he heavy breathes into the microphone to the point that you cannot hear what's happening. Uh, And every morning, Duke goes outside about six 37 a.m., and we do not see him for the rest of the day. Uh, No water, no food. He just lays out in the sun. Doesn't matter how hot it is, he will not come inside until 7 p.m. Every night we pray compline together as a family, and Duke is the first one to compline every night like clockwork. I mean, he has got his daily prayer rhythm down. Uh, When you take Duke on a walk, he just goes wherever he wants to. <laughs> it's like he's, he's earned the place in life where he does not obey us anymore. He is really taking us on a walk. But if you, uh, if you ask Duke, like, 
where are we going on this walk? I mean, first of all, he's a dog, so he can't, he can't communicate. But uh, if he could, he would have no idea, right? Like taking Duke on a walk is an exercise in not knowing where you're going, and yet he finds his way bush by bush, <laughs> right? If you've ever taken a dog on a walk, they just go from this bush to that bush to that bush to that bush, and eventually they've gone on this whole journey. And I wonder if from Duke, as we talk about discernment, we might get a sense of what it looks like to live life with God, from bush to bush to burning bush to another bush. Um, I want to begin with a couple convictions. First of all, God is always speaking. God is always speaking, and God is always working. And what might it look like for us to live as if those two things were true? Uh, to take seriously that God is with us and that inside of each and every one of us is a speaking voice, the Spirit of God guiding us into all truth. It takes us back to where we started that first table leg of contemplative prayer because it's here as we abide in the presence of Jesus that we become aware of the speaking voice, not in the wind, not in the fire, not in the earthquake, but the still, small voice of God speaking to us in, a, in and through a prayer-filled life. And then God is always at work in the world. He's inviting our participation. He's inviting us to be a part of what he's doing. I mean, like if we actually like sat with that for a minute, that's mind-blowing. That the God of the universe is at work to restore and renew all things and says, I have a role for you to play. What a gift. What a gift. And so discernment then is at the heart of the spiritual life and at the heart of discernment is this conviction that Jesus is actually teaching us how to live. How to live the life we have been giving. How to live it well. And uh, we follow along with him. We want to learn then from Jesus. Jesus who says, my father is always up to something. And my father is always at work, and my part is to join in what he is already doing. And I wonder if we can take some clues from Jesus. Let's look at those uh, verses, uh, some of the, them that Katie read a minute ago. Uh, Jesus seems to have this father-dependent life, is the phrase I'm coining. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about a spirit-dependent life. But we see that, that, that first and foremost, Jesus has this utter dependence and reliance upon his father. He says at the end of this section here, the father loves the son, shows him all that he is doing. And at the top there, I tell you, sorry, go back for me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I tell you the son can do nothing on his own the son of god does nothing on his own but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does the son does likewise and then the next one a few verses later he says i can do nothing on my own like really like have we sat with that as i hear i judge and my judgment is just because i seek to do not my only my own will but the will of him who sent me. And then let's go to the next one a few chapters later. For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who has sent me has himself given me a commandment about what to say and what to speak. And then finally, those words Katie read, the Father has given me all these things to do and say, this is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. So Jesus has this radically dependent relationship with his father and it, and it guides him in the things he does. In fact, he does nothing outside of that relationship. But then he says, I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to lay it out line by line. All of you are invited into this kind of relationship 
And so whereas I used to think of discernment as the tool to pull out of the tool belt when you have some big, earth-shattering, life-changing decision to make, I now think of discernment as the tool that is always right there at every mundane moment of life that we might be in touch and aware and awake to what is God guiding me to do in this small daily moment that I might partner with him. Like what if we actually practiced, I do nothing except what the Father tells me? Can we even imagine what that would actually be like? Like that, I mean, that stretches my imagination. I do nothing except what the Father tells me. Frank Laubach was a uh, father in the spiritual formation uh, stream of the church, and he developed this thing he called the game with minutes. And the game with minutes was essentially this uh, game he would play with himself to see how often in a given minute he could return his focus to God. Return his focus to God, return his focus to God, that he might say, I do nothing except what I see God already doing. When I think about discernment, uh, this picture comes to mind um, <laughs> for me. Uh, it, that's crazy. Like, look at that. What a beautiful, giant, vast creation we are invited to live in. And how terrifying <laughs> at the same time, right? To just be floating out there in the wide open expanses. How do we not get lost in a world like that? How do we not lose our way? How do we not become untethered? How do we not end up adrift? And so when I think about discernment, spacewalking comes to mind. And uh, one of the guides to help us spacewalk well is St. Ignatius of Loyola. He's one of the church fathers that probably has given the most gifts to the church in the area of discernment, such as the prayer of examine. And one of Ignatius's uh, core ideas was this idea that there is something called a foundation. And Ignatian foundation is this idea that at the heart of our decision-making, at the heart of our discernment, is the kingdom of God. If we would use the kingdom of God and what will further advance, progress the kingdom of God as the core cipher and criteria in our decision-making, then Ignatius says that would lead us well, that we would have this firm foundation. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And out of that foundation, we build a kingdom-directed life, which might be broken down to loving God and loving others. And so rather than make the decision that's going to enhance my career path the most, and rather than making the decision that's going to be the most comfortable, and rather than making the decision that's going to shape life in the way I assumed it would go, what might it look like for us to make decisions based out of what would be the most loving, faithful response to advance further and spread the kingdom of God in this world? What's the most habitually loving choice that I can make? What does a faithful response look like? And so that becomes the secure base, the foundation, the platform from which we spacewalk, right? It's like the ship. Uh, it's the safe place to go back to when we start to lose our way. Ignatius says there's three voices that are always speaking. The voice of God, the voice of our ego, and the voice of the spirit of the world or the enemy of our souls, Satan, the devil, evil, whatever words you want to put around it. And these three voices, they're always talking, like all the time. And so it can be hard to discern which voice is which. I'm hearing something, but is that me or is that God? 
And I, I think the foundation here gives us this helpful tool, a clue for this, because our ego and our enemy are always working to resist the kingdom, to resist the kingdom. Because, you know, I want to be on the throne of my life. Right? My false self wants nothing to do with Jesus as king. I want to be king. And so we might consider the choices we're making in light of what will allow Jesus to be the king of my life. That might help us differentiate between these three voices. And so discernment becomes this practice that allows us to detach from lesser voices that we might desire the kingdom, that we might desire the kingdom of Jesus becomes a vision for life and a criteria for the choices we make. And then atop that foundation, then discernment looks like this dependent dance, right? So we've got the firm foundation, and once we build our spacewalking enterprise on that, now we have this dependent dance. And I think when we talk about discernment, there's a couple ways you can think about it. There are some uh, in Christian circles who would kind of have this far side of the spectrum idea that, listen, God doesn't really care about your daily choices. Like, do what you want. Uh, and we might call this utter liberty in this sense, that I can just do what seems right to me. And I think if we study the scriptures, we're going to find, like, eh, God does seem to actually be very involved in the day-to-day -day moments of our lives. But then on the other hand, you have this, what we might call utter legalism, right? I heard this lady once uh, say that when she goes into the grocery store and she comes to the cantaloupes, she just prays for a minute. Which cantaloupe do you have for me, God? <laughs> if you do that, good for you. That's great. You do you, right? But I think it might be a bit over the top to discern about which cantaloupe God has for us. But in the center, we've got what does faithful freedom look like? What does it look like to be really free, right? This actually over here, this utter liberty thing, it feels like freedom. We may call it freedom, but it's actually bondage because I have to get my way or else I don't know what to do. And so real freedom looks like me not having to have what I would otherwise prefer because I'm so anchored and rooted in the love of God that I no longer need that thing. This is the posture from which we can pray, not my will, but your will be done, right? Because we're rooted in the love of God, and so I no longer need to have it my way. And so into making decisions in the tension of that spectrum, we're given life with God. We're given life with God, not an edict, not a rule book, not an instruction manual, not a bullet list. We're given life with God, and there is a vast open space in which we dance with the Holy Spirit and the freedom God has given us to live into the unique yoke that Jesus has invited our life to look like. And so this calls for some interior freedom, what Ignatius called indifference, that I would be able to be free of my attachments my disordered affections that say, oh, I gotta have this thing because I love this good thing too much and I can't go without it. We can be free of those things that we might be able to say yes to the kingdom of God. Um, okay, so our task in discernment, I think it looks less like outcomes and more like faithful next steps. Less on the outcomes. Uh, often we're focused on the surface layers of our decisions. Uh, what's the, you know, like we assume, like, okay, God, I'm making this decision. Should I take this job? Should I take this job? Should I pursue this relationship? But I should pursue that relationship. Should I uh, pursue this career change or not? 
And we're focused on how we think those stories are going to end, and often we find they don't end the way we think they're going to. They don't develop the way we think we're going to. But God's heart, God's intention is not so much on the surface layer of our life, but on the subterranean, the deeper chambers, that what is happening deep inside me might be reformed to look more like Christ for the sake of the flourishing of his kingdom. And so what happens often is we discern something, and we think we've heard God, we've sensed God, we're following God, and then it doesn't pan out the way we thought it would. And we go, wait a minute, did I mishear God? Well, perhaps, perhaps. But I think it's also entirely possible that God had different ends in mind than we did. And God didn't co-sign our expectations about how we thought this would pan out. And that while we thought it would look like this, God was actually at work in the deeper levels to shape faithful living in us. There's this family that moved from Indiana to Georgia three years ago to be a part of the parish. And boy, when we moved here, we thought the first three years here were going to go real different than how they went. Real different. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have written the story the way the story has gone. Does that mean we missed God? No. No. It means God had deeper work than what I could have imagined. And so we trust that he is at work to shape Christ in us. Through this tailored yoke, this uniquely customized life that Jesus is inviting us to, which means that discerned faithfulness, A, for me, and B, in this season of my life, may look different than discerned faithfulness, C, for you, or D, in another season of my life. And so part of what happens right now is we're all hounding each other trying to get what I discerned about my life to, 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 for you to receive it in your life, right? And we're yelling at each other. And, uh, and of course, there's a place for healthy dialogue. <laughs> but, but often, I think we're trying to actually put the unique yoke Jesus is inviting me into onto others as well. And what would it look like if instead we just faithfully did our part in response? Um, Jesus is teaching us how to live. We'll start to wrap this up. I find that there is a theme of work that the Holy Spirit tends to be inviting us into. And what I mean by that is like, uh, while of course God's involved in the day in, day out, should I talk to that person? Should I say that thing? Should I have that conversation? If so, what does that conversation look like? I also find that there's a theme of repeated invitation from the Holy Spirit where over the course of a year, two years, three years, Jesus is just beckoning, come, come out of that part of your old way and into deeper alignment with my new way here. And so it can help us in discernment if we have a sense of what that theme is in our life, because often then we'll find that the decisions we need to make are a decision between do I say yes to a deeper obedience in that theme of work, or do I say no in order to stay rooted in my old way of living? Um, yeah. Discernment involves uniquely who we are. In Psalm 16, there's this uh, both and that we see where David says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel and at night also my heart instructs me. Or in Acts 15, they're making this giant decision about who's allowed to be in on this new thing Jesus is doing. And they say, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And so the more we are formed in faithful living, we actually can trust that we are becoming the kind of people who can, uh, out of the overflow of our Christ-like hearts, actually have a sense of what we feel like we should do. Um, yeah, and then we're given a merciful tether. We're not out spacewalking alone. 
And I want to free us up from any pressure around discernment. Whenever there's a gospel that says it all depends on you to do it right, to pray right, to discern right, to not mess it up, uh, nah, nah, there's better, better news than that. Um, and uh, we're not skilled enough to do this on our own, and I wonder what it may look like for us to trust God's ability to keep us more than our ability to stray. What if I actually trusted that God was keeping me on this journey? Uh, Let's see how we're doing on time. I need to wrap this up. Let me throw out a couple of things that can hijack our discernment. We won't spend much time on them, but I'm just going to throw them out here. Uh, First of all, disordered affections, loving a good thing too much. Secondly, reactivity. When there is a wound in my heart and it gets pushed on, I react out of the wound and that hijacks my ability to discern what God would otherwise have me to do. So we gotta deal with our stuff (laughs) in counseling, in prayer, in relationships, in community, in scripture. We gotta deal with our stuff so that we can be less reactive and more discerning. Hurry, hurry hijacks discernment. I think we all know that. And then finally, certainty. Um, The quest for a map when God gives us a compass. And God says, I'm going to point you in the direction, and then I'm going to walk the trail with you. And we're like, but I would prefer that you give me the precise map of this thing, right? And so uh, Meg Albertini says it this way. Um, She says, God holds a bag of breadcrumbs, and he's always dropping them. And our job is in the noticing of them, and the gathering of them as clues, and I wonder how we might trade in our certainty, our control for actual faith, which is relational in nature. Not waiting for specificity, but journeying with God, following the clouds of pillar, following the clouds of fire, following the scent to the next bush, the next bush, the next bush. And we may find I actually had no idea where I was going, but I was led. I was led by just following in the next right thing. All right, let's do this. Um, under your chairs, uh, there is a card. We're going to spend just a, just a quick minute. We're running a bit behind on this service. We'll spend a quick minute, and Isaac, I'll invite you to come forward. And there's an exercise in there for Ignatian discernment um, using the gift of our imaginations. And so I asked you at the beginning of the service to think about some place that you're really just needing the guidance of God, the discernment of God. And you can follow along in that card uh, on your own time. Perhaps you want to return to this exercise. But let me just take a moment and guide us through it now in a prayer movement as we prepare our hearts for the table. And so I'll invite you to close your eyes. And hear the voice of God saying, work with me. Work with me on this co-create with me your life co-create with me this kingdom and imagine the choices that are set out before you perhaps choice A, choice B there may be more and Ignatius tells us that we might find our imaginations already have a sense of what faithful response might look like so we imagine walking down the path of choice A. We stand at the crossroads and then we take some steps down the path of choice A. And we try it on. 
couple steps down that path and then we pause and we look around and we say, how does this seem to be fitting me? This yoke, is it ill-fitting, is it heavy? We go down path B and we try it again. What about this side? How does this seem to fit me? And it is characteristic of the Holy Spirit to provide consolation, a sense of a deep inner shalom, a deep inner yes, congruence with that theme of work that the Holy Spirit's been inviting us into. So when you sense peace, when you sense hope, when you sense joy, when you sense that inner yes, pay attention. If you sense the no, the inner no, if you sense despair, futility, confusion, anxiety, pay attention. As we consider the words from Jeremiah 6, this is what God says. Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and you'll find rest for your souls. Jesus, would you guide us that we might hear your voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. Help us to discern what it might look like a little more today than we did yesterday. To only do what the Father is doing. Help us to say, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Jesus.